This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Fender Bender on Joy 94.9. Revving up the weekends with news and views on all things motoring. That is so true, like the guy says. This is Fender Bender. It is Saturday afternoon. You're listening to Joy 94.9. It is that time for another hour of motoring madness. Thank you so much to the boys for Critical Hit. I always like a listen in. It's always a bit nostalgic to hear those game theme tunes at the end. We've got so much coming up on the show today. Some very special guests, of course, as always, and a little bit something different to the format of the show today, but I'm not going to give anything away just yet. You'll have to wait for the surprise. We're going to be talking local news and international news. Uh, We've got some car reviews coming up. I drove something in a very nice part of Australia, and my guests have been in equally as exotic and lovely cars. So, stick with us. My name is Daniel Gardner, and I'm taking the helm, the wheel no less, uh, for Fender Bender this week. Tim Nicholson is off doing something fabulous, no doubt. But I'm very lucky to be joined in the studio by two regulars, two, two old favourite faces in the studio at Joy. Uh, Mike Costello? I approve of the favourite faces, but the old part, I don't approve of. Sorry, I actually realised as mm-hmm. I was saying it, I tried to make that cry. So I was like, no, <clears throat> old faces. Uh, yes, Mike, <laughs> lovely to see you. <laughs> A very radiant face, I might add. Oh, Thank you for so much for being back in the uh, Joy Studios. And we're also joined by another old stalwart, I said old again, a uh, fresh stalwart of Fender Bender, the fabulous Byron in brackets Maureen Glory Matthew, Matthew Diarchus. How are you, sir? Uh, that's uh, Maureen, Maureen Glory to you. We, now, we agreed earlier, <coughs> didn't we, Byron, that we're going to be using our drag names on the show today. Uh, we are, we are. So Maureen Glory, everyone, hello. Maureen, yes. lovely to have you with us. And yeah, it's, our, a, it's you, a pleasure to be here. And your host today is uh, Extra Patty. That's my... Uh, my drag name, because she's all about the double meat. And she's an engorging piece of meat, that's for sure. <laughs> Byron! <laughs> Sorry. That's um, it. Lower it is the, a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank lower you the tone to the, uh, to the standard we expect. Yes, mm. fantastic. Uh, all good in motoring world with you two boys? Absolutely. Uh, I've, I've been on holidays for the last couple of weeks, uh, pretty much out of radio range. Uh, and it's always a good thing to come back to and see all this new and exciting news that we're going to talk about. You mean Byron's been on holiday again? Who would have thought such a thing? Yes, yes. I She's was... a lady of leisure. That <laughs> That's right. I was. I went to Uluru and tried to be Priscilla, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately I'm not the size of a bus, so I couldn't be. Gentlemen, we yes. are here to talk about cars and buses for that matter, uh, and we're going to jump straight into some local news. Now, Mike, I believe, uh, you know, bizarre, bizarre things are going on in, in the motoring world in Australia. We're a nation of petrol heads, and where Previously, um, very expensive, very high-performance cars haven't done quite so well. What's happening now? Well, you know how the economy is going so well at the moment. I mean, just ask Joe Hockey. Um, You'd think that perhaps the most premium car sales would be struggling, but it's quite the contrary because the sports car market in general is down moderately this year. But the really high-end stuff, which is classified as being $200,000 or over, is actually up more than 25%. So that's a segment that encompasses things like Ferraris, McLarens, high-end BMWs like the i8, high-end AMGs. Lamborghinis, the works, they're all up double digits pretty much unanimously across the board, with the exception of maybe a handful that are getting a bit long in the tooth. It's kind of weird to see how it's completely contrary to every other sports car, which is struggling as people are obviously tightening the belt. And I think it shows that, you know, the people who are super rich... They never really struggle too much, do they? No matter what the economy's doing. But are we talking about cars that go from six to eight sales a year? Or no, we're talking Lamborghini about? sales have gone from five to 55. 
So wow, that's quite, that is significant. You know, Ferrari sales are up to 75 this year. Yeah, it's small, but there's been about 700 cars sold in the first five months of the year that are $200,000 or above and have two doors and a sports car. I suspect everyone's just taken Joe Hockey's advice and they've just gone out and they've got a good <laughs> job and they're on good money. Well, if they're all double dipping, well, they, they've yeah. got the uh, funds to do it, uh, you know, as some cynic might say, but, you know, Warren Gloria wouldn't say that. <laughs> Neither would extra patty. Oh, extra patty. She um, looks so beautiful. Thank you. you. She actually looks like her name. <laughs> Mike, you were going to take the piss out of my shirt, weren't you? Well, it's an interesting arrangement you've got. It's a it's a black shirt with hot dogs and hot dog. There's there's, there's some mustard there and some onions. It's it's a strange combination. It's not not the usual uh, pattern you'd find on a shirt. Not thank a floral you. arrangement I'm or a stripy this, arrangement. All... And what's between the buns here? Oh uh, dear, oh dear. Well, thankfully we're on air and people <laughs> it, can't see that. It's just it the way I'm sitting. Um, okay, moving on to Ford Ranger. Now, we've uh, we've just uh, heard all of the details about the next Ford Ranger. Um, it's going to have a, a lot of extra kit and it's actually going to have some segment leading equipment in it, like autonomous, uh, not autonomous braking, but it's got active cruise control, lane departure warning. Um, no, no one else is providing that kind of equipment in the segment. That's one interesting point, but Mike, you've got another interesting point about the whole Ranger campaign, haven't you? Yeah, well, to touch on what you just said, it's got the kind of luxury equipment that five years ago, uh, high-end Mercedes would have been advanced to, to offer. You know, it's the sort of stuff that wasn't on even luxury cars a couple of years ago, and there's now any ute. It's amazing. And yeah. it reflects the fact that people are buying utes as family cars, increasingly. Which is weird, but mm. hey, you know. But Ford has this really weird thing that it's doing at the moment that I don't like, which is uh, adversarial advertising. It sounds a bit kitschy and buzzwordy, but what it means is all of their ads, they are comparing how good their car is versus how bad Toyota is. Overtly name checking because Toyota is the top seller. And in the press release they put out yesterday for the new Ranger, the first two pages had six mentions of areas in which the Ranger was better than the Hilux. Of course, there's a brand new Hilux launching in a few months' time that will probably address yeah. all of those. So it's things. kind of irrelevant. Yeah. But Ford looks kind of stupid because it's sitting there saying we are way better than Hilux. We are the best. Hilux sucks overtly. Toyota's sitting back and just keeping a dignified silence. And Ford, even though the the, the Ranger is a good car, frankly looks a bit stupid. It looks a bit desperate. It's like that, you know, person who tries a little bit too hard to prove how good they are, and it just shows insecurity. Sure. I think Ford is showing its insecurity here. Well, a Toyota. Sorry, Byron. Oh, I was going to just be the devil's advocate there. It seems to be working for them, though. Even haven't they? Are they closing the gap on Hilux? Totally. So Ranger's the second top-selling Ute now, and it's right up there. Um, but Ranger's also 40% of Ford sales. So you know, wow. or, it includes Falcon, Mondeo, Fiesta, Focus. All their cars. And the probe. Oh, no, that's not been itself for 20 years. <laughs> They've got to bring back the probe. Oh. Byron's got a finger on the pulse, don't I you? I have worry. got my finger. Yep, that's right. But yes. two out of every five Ninety. Fords purchased are a Ranger. And they've got all the other cars and they can't sell them. So they're kind of putting their eggs in one basket. Well, let's hope it works out. Mm -hmm. We have to take a very short break, but we will be back on Joy 94.9. I want to hear if uh, if anyone's out there listening and interested in what we're talking about, or if you just want to make some kind of complaint about my shirt, uh, 0427JOY949 is the text. Or you can email on air at joy.org.au This is the motoring show for an hour every Saturday afternoon on Joy 94.9 Mike has just taken a picture of my shirt to put on our uh, Facebook page I believe Mike Well you know it doesn't do justice being on radio does it well, you've got to, you've got okay. to show the people a shirt True. You have to yes you have to give our dear listeners the opportunity to impugn me for my garments more news exactly. moving. Yes, the news. Oh, you mean we're not talking about the Ford Ranger anymore? We can talk about it some more if you like. Oh, we were I, I just like saying Ford Ranger because I think that's a sexy name for the car. Is that the what do you only reason. You that mean? is the only reason. So all now you Rangers out there. Now we must move on. Uh, yes, we must move on. Internationally, not getting speaking, much love you know, for the Rangers here. Sorry. 
Sorry. We have to call them. We have to call them the red minority, I believe. Now. Oh, I'm talking about the Ford Ranger. Oh, whoops. Yes, yeah. uh, BMW 7 Series. Moving on. Um, it's just been revealed overseas. We don't know anything about local specification or pricing yet, but what we do know is it's got plenty of gear in it. Now, uh, something very interesting that's happened with it is it's one of the first cars um, to not in the iCar range, which is BMW's i8 and i3, which are two very special little uh, electrical hybrid cars. The 7 Series is one of the first cars, not an iCar, that actually has carbon fibre construction. So it's got little bits and pieces all over now, weight-saving, uh, previously only seen material in racing and space-age stuff. But it's also got tons of cool equipment. Now let me just run a few past you guys. How many cars do you know who actually ha that actually have a little screen in the key itself? It's got a full colour LCD screen in the key. In the oh, key. Why, why, why is that? Why, why I'm glad you asked. I'm it can tell you things. It. Now they've introduced uh, with the new Seven Series. They've introduced uh, a plug-in hybrid version, so you can tell from the key how much is in the battery of the car without it being anywhere near it. Uh, you can also, and this is one of its coolest tricks, is it will self-park. Now. I know you're going to say a lot of cars have got self-parking where you pull alongside a space, hit the button, and it does it all for you. The BMW does it without you even being in the car. But plug-in hybrids, are they going to be expensive? Did you just say butt plug-in hybrids? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Don't forget to fasten your seatbelt. You are listening to Fender Bender on Joy 94.9. Byron, wow, uh, that was that was boring, glory. <laughs> Carry on. Sorry, you were talking yes. about, but but yeah. <laughs> I, look, I think that this sort of technology is what these cars need because cheaper cars are just getting better and better with technology and refinement and performance and efficiency and all those sort of things. So they have to break ground. And for BMW to start leveraging its iCar program uh, technologies, such as uh, the carbon fiber. Uh, infused uh, platform, that sort of thing. It just makes sense. It makes it, it justifies, uh, you know, spending two hundred thousand dollars plus on one of these barges. I mean, these luxury cars. So, <laughs> Byron, yeah. what? A little bit yes. prejudiced towards the seven series. No, no, I actually like the seven series. It's 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 good. Would you like it more if it had massaging, heating, and cooling seats in the front and second row? Oh well, because know, it does. Yeah, well, yeah. If that's if that's, Your thing? if that's what you like in a car, yeah. absolutely. But, but you, can, you can kind of get that in a... I mean, oh, I guess not. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. I'll, I'll give it that. Uh, okay. The massaging. Even and if you can think of uh, cars which have massage function in the rear seats, do they have a, a training function, an exercise video that plays in the rear screens for longer journeys to keep you uh, nimble and exercise? Oh, so you don't get deep throat... Deep throat thrombosis. Is that what you mean? <laughs> deep, you deep, deep throat thrombosis. Deep, deep Game of Thrones thrombosis. I can't say. Deep, deep, <laughs> that's a great idea. Isn't it? Yes. So it shows you some moves to keep yourself yeah. free. Yeah, so you, you know how like you're doing a long haul flight on an aeroplane. Right. They, they give you these funny little sort of leg movement exercises to keep you fresh. Uh -huh. And so when you've got your important business meeting at the other end, you feel good. At, yeah, the, no. t the TV in the back will play that exercise. And the average video. car doesn't have that, but you know what I do have? I have an iPad that I can download videos on and just watch. So I'm not sure if that's super valuable. Uh, you're making this hard for me. All right, okay, I'll, I'll run this one past you then. It has uh, various systems around the car, including the satellite navigation and its transmission, which watches the environment and the terrain around you and will pick uh, a more efficient route for you to go if you're trying to save fuel, or it will, um, it will actually sort of environment, environmentally consciously protect our, our globe by, picking, by knowing that it's a more efficient route to go using satellite navigation, gradients in roads and that kind of thing. BMW has officially solved climate change, ladies oh, and gentlemen. I think the Tesla Model S has that already. I remember dr um, driving that 
late last year with it. Oh, God. Sorry, sorry. Which, All right. which actually, when you think about it, the, the Tesla Model S really is is the uh, is the new game player in this kind of upper upper luxury. But you're going to say that it? the mainstream traditional brands fight back because Tesla got the jump. Nobody expected Tesla to be as good as it was, and I think the likes of Audi, BMW, and Mercedes are now thinking, "Oh, holy crap." We've got a real rival on our hands and they're going to come out strong and they're going to try and just demolish Tesla with some amazing stuff. And stuff like is that we're seeing in this 7 Series is probably, like you say, a response to how good Tesla is. But it, it won't be easy because you know, nowadays Mercedes and BMWs and Audis are so mainstream that part of the Tesla's appeal is the fact that it is something different and something cool and, you know, I, I know what I'd rather have. Yeah, absolutely. So, Does it have laser headlights though? Laser headlights. Yes. Oh, have I found something? Oh, you mean from a from a Ford laser? That's terrible. <laughs> That's a terrible cost cutting measure. <laughs> uh, listeners, if you're not happy with where BMW is going with um, using Ford laser headlights, write in and complain. Uh, or you can just text 0427 joy 949 or you can email on our joy.org.au. I actually oh. tested laser headlights not long ago on the BMW i8. Oh, what are Super they like? They, they are incredible. Well, there you go. The 7 Series has got them. Right on. So yeah. have, I found something, have I found something that you guys like in the 7 Series? No, it's on BMW. Excellent. It is impressive. Fender Bender, guaranteed to leave skid marks? Oh, that's terrible. That that's is terrible. terrible. I love that one. I love it. I love, oh, the, I love the controversial oh. elements on Fender Bender. Yes. Uh, moving on, guys. Now, we are lucky. We get to uh, travel around the country and sometimes internationally driving a few bits and pieces in some new vehicles. And, uh, Mike, I believe you have been doing an interesting comparison this uh, past couple of weeks. I have. I've been arguably weighing in on what is the modern interpretation of the famous Holden versus Ford rivalry, the red versus the blue, the, the, the rivalry that defines Australian motoring in a lot of ways. But of course, with the Falcon at death's door and the Commodore as we know it, soon to disappear, uh, where is that rivalry going to go? It's probably going to go into the realm of the hot hatches. Ford has the Focus ST, we know it well. It's just been updated, it's been given a bunch of improvements to make it better than before. And Holden has just relaunched the Astra with the VXR three-door hot hatch. So I decided to put them up against each other. Kind of a oh. red versus blue battle for 2015. Nice, and how did they go? Well, they've got some similarities. They're both about 40 grand. Yeah. The Holden's got three doors, the Ford has five. They're both manual only. They've both got two-litre turbo engines. They're both ludicrously well-equipped. And they're both a lot more interesting and novel than a Golf GDI because everybody has a Golf GDI. And these are the cars for you know someone who wants something a bit different. Yep. They're also both front-wheel drive. That's where the similarities kind of end, though, because they go about it in quite different ways. Um, the focus remains preternaturally talented on a twisty road. It's yeah. nimble, it's light on its feet, it's got amazingly sharp steering that's been sharpened up a little more, um, and you really have to be on your guard to drive it. It's a challenging car to drive, but in a good way. Yeah, not um, like it's going to spin off the road and smash into thousands of pieces. Exactly right. But you do have to be on your guard. You know, it's got that beautiful lift-off oversteer that you can get with a proper front-drive car, which people yep. say that you can't have fun in a front-drive car, just aren't driving it right, basically. Well, or, or they're not pulled over in the right uh, side alleys. Yeah, that's yeah. what I think too. Or the or parking spot or that sort of yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 You just need <laughs> a good beat. You know? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's right. That's uh, right. And welcomely, uh, welcomely, that's a new word. I like, <laughs> I like it. it. I'm going to stick with it. I like it. Ford has updated the interior because the old interior of the Focus was terrible it yeah. was just a mess it was too many buttons going on the screen was tiny it was just a shambles they've updated it there's a big new touch screen 
hardly any buttons anywhere. It's a clean face here. It's still got the awesome body-hugging Recaro seats that it had before. Okay, And nice. for less than 40k, it's ludicrously good value. The Holden, though, is even better value because it's got this sort of equipment that you wouldn't see on a German car twice the price. Yeah. I should say another German car because this well, Holden is, in course. fact, a German car because and we it's an Opel. We previously had that in this mm. country as an Opel briefly, didn't we? Exactly right. It's also got more power. So, you know, over 200 kilowatts from a two-liter engine. It's a hell of a lot of power for a car that's less than 40 grand. Um, and it's got some amazing Brembo brakes. It's got incredibly expensive Pilot Sport Cup tyres by Michelin, which costs thousands and thousands of dollars to fit. Ouch. And are incredible. It sticks to the road like, you know... Overheated, proverbial. Over, overheated licorice. But it's not quite <laughs> as nimble as the Ford. It's sort oh, of okay. really talented, but maybe not quite as engaging and involving. It's one of those occasions with a hot hatch where you kind of want it to be a bit loose and a bit rough around the edges. Yeah. But compared to some of the stuff that Holden's been trotting out lately, outside of the Commodore, which, let's face it, has been pretty ordinary. It's a revelation. It's the first properly good Holden outside of the Commodore range that we've really seen launching quite some time. Um, if you drive a Holden Epica, you, here's your chance to ring in and complain. <laughs> yeah, please do. Yeah. <laughs> or a Holden Malibu. Love, or a... love how Byron brings in all the heritage. You know? <laughs> yeah. All we had so far, we've had the Ford Razor, Ford Probe, and now... Yeah. The Holden... Does anyone out there even know what an Epica is? I mean, remember the Epica? You're very welcome to text few. in. It's a day like hands are in drag, and not in a good way. Where the Astro is let down is its interior. It's showing its age. It's right. The equipment levels are huge. You know, they've both got sat now. They've both got amazing racing seats and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it's it's a mess of buttons. It's 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 confusing. It's hard to navigate. It's not very ergonomic. And, and it's showing its age because the design is quite a few years old now. And um, and that's uh, highlighted by the fact that the, the new Astra K was unveiled in Germany a couple of weeks ago. Of course. And that's the next generation model. Yeah. So, so they're, still, they're still selling the now outdated car. But, you know, it still looks the part. It still looks every bit as modern as it did seven, eight years ago. Yeah. The fact that the Ford costs $1,000 less at $38,990 before you're on roads, the fact that you get five doors and bigger boot, hardly any less equipment, and it's a bit more fun despite having less power, means the Ford's probably the one to get. Of course, if I'm right, and this is the new Holden v. Ford rivalry, it doesn't matter because the Holden people will have the Astra and the Ford people will have the Ford. The good news is that they're both Really, really great cars. The Ford's half a point better, but the Holden is still a sensational offering. And I guess the bigger point to make here is you can't go wrong with either. And it's really good to see a properly good, fast, exciting Holden that isn't a Commodore. I haven't driven the Ford, but I have driven the uh, the Holden. And I thought it was, well, in a word, fast. It was blindingly fast. It it's is. really good fun. I mean, I can't think of anything else that goes quite as well for the cash. I think it looks awesome. I totally agree with you on that. Even though the design has been around for a few years, not necessarily in this country, it still looks really good. Well, you know, and those big Brembo brakes and those Pilot Sport Cup tyres, you know, if, if you wanted to option them on a German car, it would cost you 20 grand. Yeah, now, they're absolutely. not going to cost you that much to buy yourself, but yeah. if you wanted to option them on another car, absolutely, it's, it's amazing they're on it. So on that subject then, critical question, would you have either over a Golf? You know, I'd have both over a GDI. I don't think either is wow. necessarily better than the GDI. The Golf GDI is almost a flawless car. It really is. It's, it's, it's brilliant because it can live with it every day. It's relaxing. It's gentle when you want it to be. Yeah. It's also incredibly fast when you find yourself a nice twisty road. It sounds like you just described me. <laughs> Issue is just a bit sanitized for my liking. And Again? Everyone, everyone, everyone has a Golf, just like everyone has Dan. You see, the illusions are just all over the place. He said sanitized, not insanitized. Ah, okay. Excellent. Yes. It's an easy mistake to There's make. There's a fine line. Fine. Line, yes. you know, yeah. If I have a hot hatch, and if I if what I want from a hot hatch is a manual gearbox, rough around the edges, looks interesting. Not everyone in the entire world has one in their driveway, and these two cars fulfil that brief much better than a Golf does. They're not necessarily a better car, but as a hot hatch, they're a better thing. 
There so, we are. Yep. Ford yep. Just. Yep. That, that Holden is a special car. I drove it as an Opel Astra yep. OPC um, in 2013. And I remember thinking that, 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 that that's one raw, rugged, wild yeah. drive. It's, it's better now. I think the is, gearbox is sorted. I think the engine's got a bit more poke. It's, it's better. It's, and it's even better now. So it, don't underestimate the, uh, the appeal of that Astra. And also the fact that um, actually that three-door body was introduced a couple of years later. I think it was in 2010 or 2011. So it's not quite as old as the five-door hatch. So mm. I think that if there is the three-door replacement will come along probably in a year or so. I'm right. excited. Yeah. It's a good looking car. Mm. Uh, I just want to read out a message, guys. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a very, automa- very automotive-heavy message from Tristan who says, Hi, guys. I'd like to say hi to my mum, Lynn. Hi, Lynn. Thanks, Tristan. Can we say hi as well? Did you realise this is a car show, yeah. Anyway, say, say, say hello to... Yes, Mum Lynn. There we go. Uh, we, if you want to get in touch about anything at all, I've just proved I will read virtually any message. You mean oh, there's no... That's it? That's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's it. Yes. Uh, 0427 JOY949 is a text or you can email on air at joy.org.au. Don't forget to fasten your seatbelt. You are listening to Fender Bender on JOY94.9. Yes, you are. That was a little bit of the Aston Shuffle and Tear It Down, a uh, personal favourite of mine. You're on Fender Bender on Joy 94.9. Good afternoon. Uh, we've had a couple of messages in, I believe, Mike. We have. One from Megzi saying uh, she loves uh, the Astra 2006 SRI Turbo. Great choice. That's a mm-hmm. great little hot It's hatch. a hell of a car. I remember that car really well. Never, never sold that well, so they're quite rare too, which makes them even better. Good choice, Megzi. And, uh, hey boys, love listening to your smooth voices and cheeky commentary. Oh, shucks. Even though I'm by no means a car enthusiast, I look forward to your show after work every Saturday. I'd get in a hot hatch with you anytime. Well Ooh. now. Wow. Well now, oh, and that's from Linz. Uh, well, There's a choice. I'm getting, choice I'm getting, my glasses are steaming up. As Mike says, you know, I'll, I'll jump into just about anything with just about anyone. So, <laughs> great. It's on, it sounds like. Uh, welcome back. We only have a little bit uh, of the show left because there's something a little bit unusual might happen. I'm not telling you just just exactly what yet, but uh, stay tuned. We've got some... You're really building the suspense here. I well, like I think it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay yeah. with a bit of hype. Um, but before that, Byron, we've got a couple of cars to talk about, haven't we? We certainly have. I've been up in Queensland driving the new three-cylinder Audi Turbo. Whoa, whoa. Oh, three-cylinder Audi. Turbo Audi, even. Audi with three cylinders. That's right, yep. So which car is this? Presumably it's quite a small Audi. It is. It's the smallest Audi you can buy at the moment. The right. Audi A1. Okay. Yep, so that's the Polo-based uh, Super Mini that uh, for the last few years has outsold the Mini. And so it's there's a bit of a... There's a bit of a fight. Mike was talking about Holden v Ford. Well, there's a classic 21st century fight going on between the Germans, between the uh, the A1 and the Mini. Excellent. Uh, last year, as you may recall, Mini uh, was completely redesigned and re-engineered as a three-cylinder and four-cylinder turbo range and has since gone to, well, has trumped the A1. But Audi is fighting back with the new, cheaper and re-engineered A1 with a brilliant one-liter three-cylinder turbo. Basically, it's the turb- it's the engine that you could find in the late and lamented Volkswagen up, with a turbo stuck on it, and they've um, they've dropped the price a little bit, or they've or they've actually increased the the value quotient rather. So it's co- oh, you sound like marketing now. Ah, oh, well, you've you increased know. the value equation. Yeah, that, what have you that's done with Byron's way of saying oh, we've put the price up, but we've added some stuff. So really. Better value. Actually, it, they have put the price down because have you they? can now get an automatic A1 for under thirty thousand dollars, significantly under thirty thousand. So we're talking an Audi that costs less than thirty grand and is a three-cylinder. 
This is and exactly what you were touching on, what you were saying before, like luxury brands are now mainstream mm-hmm. and they're not doing just high-end stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly new news, but it, this is the sort of car that really makes it more evident than anything else because that's amazing. That's right, Persephone. Um, yeah. It does <laughs> indeed uh, show the down, um, the down market dive that a lot of these car companies are making. But in the Audi's case, at the very least, it, it lives up to the brand expectations by being refined and absolutely fun to drive. The engine weighs uh, a lot less than a four-cylinder does. So what it's done is it's sharpened the steering and, and made the handling a little more nimbler um, in a car that's already quite renowned for its dynamic capabilities. So now you could pretty much justify buying an A1 over, say, Apollo because the interior is much uh, better looking and better finish and it's got a more efficient engine as well as uh, an engine that produces more, a bit more power and torque over the Polo equivalent, the 1.2 TSI, and it still looks damn fine. It's, it's, a, it's a great little thing. I, I love it. Although, I'm, uh, let me just uh, clar- clarify something. The more you spend on an A1, the less uh, convincing it becomes until you get to the fabulous S1 Quattro, which oh, right. at $49,900 is just one of the greatest mm. baby hatches you can buy. Great car. Yeah. But you're a huge fan generally of three cylinders, aren't you, Byron? You've always been on the three pot bandwagon. I, I am a bit of a three pot screamer when it comes to uh, <laughs> fun little cars. You know, the Mini Cooper's one, but also the Renault Clio, and of course the car that I'm currently driving for Wheels Magazine, the 308 uh, Active <laughs> Access. I get Access is the is the entry level. Oh well, then it's one up from the entry level. Active, the active, active that's true. Yeah. Yep, yep. So that's a really a good car, by the way. Yep, yeah, 96 kilowatt three-cylinder with a six-speed auto. The first great automatic transmission French car in history. What, uh, really? Yep. You mean Absolutely. they've never made a decent one before now? They've never made a decent automatic transmission uh, car ever. And if anyone uh, disagrees with me, please, I defy you to, um, to you know, prove me otherwise. And I'll be <laughs> happy because I love French cars. I own three. But... Let me tell you, the 308 is, before you buy golf, check out a 308. And now, if you wanted a, a uh, something a little bit more special than the entry-level access, you can get the Lean S Extras Pack, which gives you 70... What the hell is that? Well, it's this, this Extras Pack they've introduced um, to uh, give it big alloy wheels, uh, funky decals down the side, and some red and black flashes. Sounds all terrible. It doesn't need. You don't want big alloy wheels. It makes the ride bad. Okay, well, well, listen to the fun police in here. Do you want to know what I've been <laughs> driving lately? What have you been driving lately? I drove the new Kia Sorento, which is Kia's large SUV, which I've actually honestly never really warmed to very much. It's kind of, in the past, it's just been a bit, I don't know. Well, regular listeners of Fender Bender will know my prejudices to towards large SUVs and most SUVs for that matter. And the Kia Sorento has always been just a little bit, I don't know, just below par. Now, lots of people disagree with me. They've sold quite well historically. But what they've done this time around is they've focused less on the, what Byron would say, uh, value equation. No, less on cheap and cheerful and way more on European-inspired styling and top-quality materials and interiors. And wow, have they ever hit the nail on the head with this one. It is a little bit more expensive. It starts around about 40 grand or 45 for the diesel. Uh, diesel is absolutely the pick, incidentally. And But my God, what a huge improvement in the quality of these interiors. It really does feel fantastic. It, does, it manages to do that difficult balance of um, simple without being dull. It's just tasteful and very European. The quality of the materials are great. The exterior styling, I think, is really good. It's it's taken a step towards, say, something like Grand Cherokee, the Jeep Grand Cherokee. It's sort of got that nice stocky... In fact, from a distance, you'd think you were following a Grand Cherokee. It's, it's really looking great these days. 
And for a car to just drive around with either full of millions of children or stuff, it's it's really quite enjoyable. It's a, it's a decent drive. It's got a couple of things that are really great too, which is it's got Australia's longest warranty, seven-year warranty. So you, Absolutely. You know, a complete peace of mind. Also, ANCAP, the safety testing body that crashes cars and publishes independently how safe cars are, just rated it the safest SUV in history, ever tested bar none. Wow. And it's the third highest scoring car in history, but probably the highest scoring because it's against the latest, most stringent criteria, 2015 criteria. So this car, I mean, Kia got criticised when the Carnival only got four stars recently, which was quite bad for Kia. A mm. pretty, pretty bad effort, really. But this car has just knocked it out of the park. The safest SUV you can buy with the longest warranty. And if those aren't the two main priorities for a family buyer, then I don't know what are. So, hey, great offering. Yep. Because, yep. of course, it does have seven seats in it. Absolutely. I don't understand why anyone would buy a Toyota Kluger or you know a Nissan Pathfinder when you can get one of these diesel-powered uh, Sorrentos for 45k or under with all these um, benefits that you guys have just spoken. And it looks, as you, as you touched on, it looks great. It's a good-looking car. Good. I'm, someone I, else, I'm glad someone else mm. thinks that. Because I, thought, I was looking at it thinking... That's a really decent-looking Kia yeah, SUV. Who would have thought we'd be saying this? Kia years doesn't ago? make any ugly cars anymore. True, very Great true. looking range. I absolutely love it. They, they, they poached Audi's chief designer a couple of years ago and paid him a. They literally backed a dump truck of money up to his house and said, "Please make our cars <laughs> look good, Mister Peter." And yeah, well, that was actually nine years ago. But yeah, his, mm. his stuff has really come through now. So well done, Kia. Definitely, gentlemen. Mm. We're going to have a little break. But if you want to get in touch and you're listening, 0427JOY949 is the text, or you can email on air at joy.org.au. We're going to be coming back very shortly with something a little bit interesting for our regular listeners. You're listening to Joy 94.9. One, two, three, four. Whoa, 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 what's going on here? What's going on? What do you mean, what's going on, Dan? It's technogaze. You, you're called to an hour early, Michael. What's going on? No, no, no. We, we were talking... No, you said that we could come in early because we've got some auto stuff to talk about. Had I had a few refreshments when I agreed to this? Because I don't remember anything about that. No, just don't worry. It's okay. It's in control. You just can go. Oh, do you want to stay for it? We're oh. the nerds. We're taking over. Guys, what do we reckon? Do you want to stick around? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I guess we could. Yeah. All right. Well, wow. Let's let's do this. This could is like... Cars in tech? Why this not? is like breakdance all over again. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay, go on. Show us your moves. Well, guys, it's fantastic to have you uh, with us for the last 15 minutes of Fender Bender. Um, you guys are technological wizards. Uh, but, of course, you know, in, in our realms that we talk, often there's crossovers. So, you know, cars have a lot of technology in them now. And so, well, why not? I'd say this is a, this is a, a match made in heaven, potentially. It is indeed. And do you know what's really of interest to me? Because I'm getting older and I'm going to need it very soon. Car- <laughs> cars that will drive me around rather than me being driven around. Okay, yes, we can talk about that. Autonomous, autonomous and self-driving cars you're talking about. We love driving. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing. Do you have to give up the love of driving to be in an autonomous vehicle? Well, that's the great thing about autonomous cars because, and they're a lot closer than a lot of people realise, within a couple of years. I mean, already car makers are making fully autonomous cars. It's the regulations around road usage that's making them hard. But the good thing about them is you can theoretically, if you feel like going for a fun Sunday drive somewhere interesting and scenic, you can do that. But in the daily grind where it's stop-start traffic and you're stuck on, say, Punt Road, who the hell wants to be driving? And that's where autonomous cars are great. You can have your cake and you can eat it too. Or catch public transport or ride a bike. That's what I think. But are manufacturers um, have production-ready cars yet? 
Uh, well, no, none yet as yet, but we're nearing. There's um, there's a few car manufacturers who say that they are very close to producing one. One notable one is, of course, the Google car. Um, that is saying that uh, Google, if you haven't heard of them, then you're probably, you're probably not able to operate a <laughs> radio. If you haven't radio, heard of Google, not, then Google, Google. <laughs> right? Okay, s- solid advice from Mike there. <laughs> But Google's different because Google's not a car manufacturer. They're jumping into the automotive space. But we've seen examples take uh, Tesla where they weren't actually a car maker and they just said, well, we'll do a car, shall we? And Google did the same thing. They said, well, we reckon we've got the technology and, more importantly, the the information Mm. to produce something that can find its own way around. And that now is nearing a a more production-like prototype. They've not been without their incidents. Uh, They have had a couple of little minor traffic incidents, I'm quoting. But was that the car's fault? Apparently not, no. Well, it's human fault. They're making a very clear point of saying that it was not the car's fault. Uh, They say, you know, uh, and it's actually an interesting point. It doesn't matter how safe, safe cars are. Um, people are stupid and they will always cause accidents no matter how uh, well the car is doing its job. I spoke to a guy recently who's very senior within Ford in Detroit and he used to work for Lockheed Martin and they hired him to develop autonomous cars for them. And what he suggested is that the first rollout we'll see will be in dedicated parks. So there'll be like a business park, for instance, where within that 10k radius, autonomous cars reign, but then again, it's going to be slowly rolled out onto mainstream roads because there's so many variables that can stuff it up. So it's like an off-lead park for your dog. Exactly. So it'll be like a progressive rollout. The technology's there. It's actually getting it to fruition to the everyday that is the challenging part. I think the biggest problem with, with these cars is going to be people, though. You know, if you let the if you let the technology do the work, it's fine. As soon as you as soon as you introduce people to technology, that's when we start having problems. No, no, no. We're better than machines. What are you talking about? Have you not got opposable thumbs in there? Your, machines are more consistent than humans. This is true. Very and predictable. True. And this is the the common analogy: is that yes, of course, um, we if you do any sort of uh, regular flying, most of the time the plane will be flying itself. But would you want to get into that plane with no one at the at the helm at all? Uh, in previous histories of, of the last what 10, 10 air traffic incidents being pilot human error, then sure. But for what, what what about those times? You can always when, you can always reboot the autopilot. You can't fix it. Yeah, but can't what, fix who, this is the key thing though. Who's going to reboot the autopilot? Uh, some sort of it some can sort reboot of itself. <laughs> well, there are redundancy systems, huge redundancy systems in airline uh, systems. So they've actually there's quite an interesting thing that they've got on on uh, the Boeing seven four seven, which is the jumbo jet, which has now been preceded. Um, it's actually got five systems, and all of those five systems were, were created by different manufacturers. So that if one of them has an inherent fault, then the chances of a completely different software manufacturer uh, coming up with the same fault in the other one, uh, it won't do it. And so uh, if three computers say yes and two say no, the Boeing says yes. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's get the computers to vote. Let me ask you a question. Do you guys like driving manual or automatic cars? Well, as I've said before, there's nothing like getting a knob in your hand. So uh, I'm a manual man wow. through and through. Uh, yes, the only car worth driving for me is a manual, I must say, but I, I appreciate that 99.9% of people would disagree with that sentiment. So extending that, what happens to the 99% of people who really don't care that much about driving? Do they want vehicles that you'll be able to drive manually and autonomously, or will they just go for the, the vehicles that you just operate in auto mode? I think the bottom line there is it doesn't really cost anything extra for a car maker to make a car be drivable by you, or not much extra anyway. If they're going to fiddle the autonomous tech, it's not much of an effort to put you know, uh, an accelerator and a brake system and a steering wheel in a car so that you can control it if you want to. It's a very small additional cost. So they may as well. 
Um, and I think there is that, as Dan touched to before, there's that reluctance for some people to be in a thing that they can't ultimately override. It's like with any robot, we want to have the off button. With any plane, we want to have a, uh, a person in the front seat that can override. There's this inherent distrust of technology to some primal degree in a lot of people and knowing that you can take over should the worst happen I think is comforting so I think you're always going to have both and going back to the Google car it's actually going to have to have controls legally uh, so that if anything does go wrong like Mike says it will be it will be controllable by a lowly bag of bones and blood but so, you know guys <laughs> that car looks like a suppository seriously <laughs> <laughs> so ugly it's, it, it is very Google, isn't it? Yes, yes. It is. Well, and cars, cars are an emotional purchase as much as anything else. And people love cars because they love cars the way people love music and movies and that sort of thing and, and dancing. So I, I don't think that the, uh, the, the love of driving, and that includes whether you use a manual or automatic or just you know, want to be in control of a vehicle on a windy road, is going to diminish with the um, advent of the autonomous car. But then there's a great point, is that if... We've solved the problem. So people who don't care about driving and just see a car as a necessary evil will get in the Google car, which leaves people like us to get in manuals that use way too much petrol and ruin the environment and drive around like maniacs while they cruise around at the sensible speed limits. Actually, I do like Mike's idea of these driving parks because I think the driving parks will be reserved for people like you, Dan. <laughs> They're called racetracks. They're already a thing. <laughs> Uh, so that's all you'll be allowed to drive on. To put, to put the analogy back on the uh, dog roaming park, I suppose I'd be the pit bull, wouldn't I? <laughs> now, Nissan have actually made an announcement that they're going to move towards autonomous vehicles by, what, 2020, I think? And it's not just Nissan. There's actually a number of car makers have committed to this. Daimler-Benz previously has. There's, there's quite a number that have said 2020 is the date. Um, but car makers... Make, make no mistake about it, car makers already have fully autonomous cars. The technology is already ready. The, the, the stumbling blocks are the regulations, are the, the practicalities of rolling it out. Um, for Nissan, you know, don't expect in 2020 to see uh, Nissan down the street driving itself because there's too many other variables. Right. But Nissan will absolutely by 2020 have a car out there, even if it's only a concept car, even if it's only some special edition. Audi, for instance, just made an RS7, their luxury car. It did a lap of a very famous racetrack in Germany all by itself at very, very high speeds. Race. Not the Nürburgring. Uh, it was, I think, believe it was Hockenheim. Okay. I can't recall exactly which track it was. But these cars are out there. And look, 2020 is pretty realistic. And Nissan was a leader in electrification with the Leaf. And it really prides itself on being at the forefront of these things. So so um, Nissan will, I reckon, by 2020, I don't think it's beyond the realms of reason for that to happen. Well, well Google has now started testing on public roads. That's a milestone because it's been authorised to do that. I mean, if any state in, of the United States, any place in the world is going to be first to do that, it will be California, obviously, because yep. they are very forward thinking. However, a little unlikely candidate to uh, pioneer something in autonomous driving is Nevada, where they've now authorised and screwed the first plate to a commercial vehicle. So now it is legal to register a self-driving truck, of all things, in Nevada. Does it have any slot machines in it? <laughs> because obviously, if you're not driving the car, you can spend money on the slot machines. <laughs> so are you, are you imagining, Michael, this is absurd. You're thinking of a mobile casino. <laughs> I love it. Actually, we, Only... we laugh, but maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> if, if it's going to happen, I mean, obviously, Nevada's going to be the place to do it. Yes, so they have now authorised it's a, it's a Freightliner truck, which can absolutely legitimately drive itself. Uh, and Nevada has taken the step of saying, yes, we've screwed on a plate on the front of that. Actually, two trucks have got it um, with the AU010, 
Zero, uh, standing for automatic, uh, and it, it is allowed to drive itself around uh, legitimately and legally. However, it's not a production version. Um, Freightliner or Daimler say that they reckon it's probably 2025 before we actually have a commercial vehicle you'll be able to buy um, that already now has the legislation in place. The real question is, will these autonomous trucks tailgate you in the far right hand <laughs> of the Western <laughs> Bridge? Because if they're not going to do that, I am all for them. Will they have big scoops and push you out of the out of the way? <laughs> I like this idea, yeah. But, I mean, no, the autonomous cars can and vehicles will, can drive in convoy. So, technically, if, if they're all in unison, then they can drive very, very close well, together so it might actually be it might be a site you get to see more often Mike majestic like migrating <laughs> birds well I think that's going to be one of the biggest things with with tech is is if the tech talks to each other then it's going to limit the amount of accidents on the road precisely and there's a lot of technology out there at the moment which is peer-to-peer where um, and also uh, not just cars are communicating with one another but there's also roadside furniture like signs and buildings even that can relay information to cars Technically, then you could the car could be peering around a corner, can see there's a, a traffic jam coming up, and your satellite navigation will say, "I don't think you should go that way because otherwise you're going to be sat in well, traffic." Land Rover has a system now where if its t- suspension detects a pothole, it then puts that information into the da- into the cloud, and any car that is able and within the Jaguar Land Rover range or outside of it is able to receive that message, receives a message that there's a pothole ahead, and the, that car suspension can either adjust itself or the driver can get a warning to pull around. So all these things about cars talking to each other are already happening. What? I'm not going to have my 95% pothole um, hit rate anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Is it a game for you? No, it's just like an b- observation. What's I think. your poor car? I feel sorry for it. <laughs> Ride quality. <laughs> no mechanical sympathy there. Your yes. dampers must be in trouble. Guys, we were talking uh, before about the new BMW 7 Series, which has actually got a, a feature in it where it will park itself uh, without you having to be in the car at all. So you hop out point it at a parking space and it will do it all for you so and that's a production car that's that's gone on sale in europe um now so they these are all the signs that we're seeing all along where autonomous driving is on its way and that's actually a form of it hasn't ford had on their one of their range models uh, the ability to park itself i know you had to be in the car so what that does is it it works the steering wheel but it doesn't work the throttle or the brake Ah. so you have to control the speed of the car but and and stopping it Mm -hmm. it just turns the wheel um but it's definitely it's definitely a version this is just really sort of the next step for that and then ultimately the next step after that is cars that can drive themselves as well as park themselves right it's going to make life really easier because you go somewhere you hop out of the car and you say go park yourself and you can park in narrower bays <laughs> so you you park you said <laughs> yes. okay right yeah you can park in super narrow bays too because you don't have to worry about someone getting out opening the door hitting the door you're not going to have those horrible accidents where you know you come back and someone's doored your car and you've got a stupid little dent in it that won't happen because you'll yep. get out of the car before it parks and it means you can have cars with those fabulous gull wing and butterfly wing doors that you can't get they'll out be of mandatory it. that's right <laughs> you can't have those. they're suddenly practical this is brilliant it's the best thing i've ever heard <laughs> I can imagine that there'd be an improvement in fuel economy if you've got cars driving responsibly. Uh, absolutely. And uh, yes, of course. Where's the fun in that? No, it, um, it's, it is one of the potential benefits of uh, autonomous technology. As we were mentioning before, um, if cars drive very close together in a convoy 
effectively only one of them is is subjected to the aerodynamic drag at the front and all the others uh, slipstreaming or, or behind one another they actually have dramatic uh, improvements in fuel use so there's actually there's there's a there's a lot of ways in which this can be good for the environment as well as safety and a lot of this uh, technology is actually dovetailing with elect- electrification of vehicles so we're not talking about um, emissions uh, from t- or tailpipe emissions anyway um, in these cars, we're probably talking about fuel cell vehicles in the future, which use hydrogen and uh, only emit water. So, uh, and they are already so electrified that they just talk to each other and that sort of thing, and they can probably drive in the most economical way using the most uh, economical route, which it's all just kind of coalescing into one big matrix, really, isn't it? So there's quite a few candidates. There's, uh, we were talking about the Nissan before. They're, they're electrifying the, the, the Leaf, and that's uh, probably going to be their first autonomous vehicle as well. The future's looking bright. Now, do you guys want to, not wishing to hijack your show, but I have, do you guys want to uh, hang around for a little bit longer into Techno Gaze? I Let's think we're going to have to say cheerio to Byron. Oh, bye-bye, everyone. It's uh, Maureen Glory says bye-bye. Okay, Mike, we're Mike coming Mike up with the, uh, the news at uh, 5 o'clock very shortly. This has been a Fender Bender podcast for Joy 94.9, Australia's first and only gay and lesbian radio station. See joy.org.au for more details. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.